0: I know the, you know, the way I contacted you to get you involved in this was not exactly the most professional way, but I wanted to reach out and, you know, you, you're so, it's so oh, awesome tricky. that did you, ex- Tricky,
1: did you send him nudes? Is that how you got <laughs> Is that the way you sent?
0: Well, we, we said we were going to talk about that.
2: You are listening to Trophy Horse with your host, Tricky Mick, Alex, I yield to no one, Steve and Troy.
0: Hello everybody and welcome to Trophy Horrors, this is episode 381, I'm your host Tricky Mick, alongside with me, the man, the myth, the legend, and the man that won't let me smoke my vape, Alex.
1: Let it be known, ladies and gentlemen, that there is not an episode of Trubby Horrors that will not start with Tricky picking at me because I don't like the fight with a stranger at the beginning of God of War.
0: I have no idea why you hate, don't like that fight.
1: I have no idea why you exulted it so much.
0: Oh, he brings the awesome every single week. It's I yield to no one.
3: Happy Mario Day!
0: You know, it took me uh, until about 20 minutes ago to realize today was Mario Day.
3: You fail as a gamer.
0: What do you mean I fail as a gamer? Turn in your card. Wh- what?
3: I didn't know it was Mario Day either. You're alright.
1: Cool. I actually own a Nintendo Switch, so
3: I'm, I'm, I'm safe there. Yeah, so you're safe I have protection. there.
0: Ah, you guys kill me. It's fun. Alright, and today we have a special guest. Uh, last week you heard Yield uh, rant and rave about Bomb Fest. so I thought, why don't I reach out and we're going to get one of the developers of the game, and now not only did I get a developer, I got the lead developer, it's Zach, how you doing sir? Hey there, hey, happy to be
2: here, glad to glad to hear the good word of bombfest getting out there to the people, and uh happy to be on
0: the show all right so Zach, uh real quickly, just tell us you know uh what studio you work for, what you do, and what your day to day life is you know developing a game
2: well, uh my name is Zach Fierce, lead developer of bombfest, and my day to day is basically chugging away on this game, adding new features, content, doing p r writing code, making graphics, and Trying to make something that people can sit down and enjoy with their friends. So, yeah. Life of a game dev.
0: Let's do our updated trophy counts. I am level 39. Total trophies of 9,864 with 118 platinums. That's right. I got another one. Alex?
1: Level 31. Total trophy count of 6,827 and a platinum count of 101 platinums in 100 games.
0: You know, I just realized when I edited last week's show, you never agreed to the bet. Do we have that bet or not?
1: What, that I can't say 101 Platinums in 100 games going forward if you raise a certain amount in extra life? Yes. I mean, I'm going to say it. I'm going to keep saying it, because I'm just being honest. I'm being very forward. Uh, About how cross-save got me two Platinums from one game, essentially.
3: From one save file.
0: Yield your trophy, sir.
3: Level 28. Trophy count of 5738. And a Platinum count of ninety.
0: Steve is level 15, total trophies of 2,095, with 11 platinums. Since kicking all our asses, he's level 37, total trophies of 8,573, with 154 platinums. And Zach, what's your trophy count, sir?
2: Well, I did some math, and even though I don't own a PS4, if I had all the trophies for Bomb Fest, would count up to I'd be a level four with 1,200 my trophy count, and a single platinum for completing all the uh, trophies in BombFest.
0: So that's a, that's a confirmation. BombFest does have a platinum, right? It sure does. Oh, see, that's important to me. We'll get it, we're will get we going to get to that when we get to the top of the week and we go into the full interview with you. All right, so let's get uh, whoa, into... Whoa, whoa,
1: whoa, whoa. We also forgot one very important tidbit about Zach. He also owns a PS2 in good condition.
2: That's That's true. I mean, I'm... I figure if I can borrow another PS2, I can tape them together and start playing all these newfangled games people are talking about, but until then... Is
1: that a like an old school, like the larger PS2, like one of the launch ones, or is it like one of the smaller, the slims?
2: Uh, it's one of the bigger ones, one of the, uh, mm. the black. I want to say it was the original release within a week or two, so I had to play... I owned, um, what was it, Crash Team Racing on PlayStation before owning a PlayStation or PlayStation 2. I'm not sure how that happened, but we had to get something to play it, so picked up a PlayStation 2 within a week of it came out, and, uh, yeah.
1: How does someone get a PlayStation 2 within a week of it being out? Because I remember that thing was scarce.
2: It was a nightmare, like, just going outside, but, uh, I mean, there were cars everywhere, and people dying in the streets, but... If you trudged through, you made it through the trenches. You could find yourself a Best Buy with uh, a shipment coming at the same time you were. and get your hands on one.
1: There was no Amazon to just ship things, teleport things right to your house back in those days.
2: Goodness, you were the Amazon.
0: What can you tell us you have been playing, Zach?
2: Let's see. Well, I've been playing uh, some Witcher 3 on a PC lately. I've been hearing about this game for years and years, and frankly i need a good comfort game something i can come back and uh kind of pick up between working on games doing side jobs and stuff and it hasn't it hasn't failed to please so far it's got so much content there's always something new and uh really enriching uh environment and story so been really getting into that lately and uh otherwise been doing some smash ultimate on switch trying to figure out how to do short hops reliably because apparently that's a thing you need to be able to do to be good so for now i'm bad
0: all right alex
1: well, lately I have been playing a whole lot of God of War. Gotten further in the game, heading to uh, the Land of the Giants. I cannot, right now, the name of the realm escapes me. It's basically the third realm that you go to, if you're counting Midgard in the realms. So, yeah, I'm I'm just kind of exploring the world right now of Midgard. You know, hitting some some secret uh, beaches, some secret boat docks. Just trying to find all that I can. Close some, t- some tears. And, uh... Yeah, I, last night, I got through the mountain, so I beat the dragon at, uh, who lives in the mountain, got to the mountain, and then went back to the witch's cave. So, as far as the story goes, I'm right around there. I have, uh, Mimir's head at the moment, and he's gonna take me to the land of the giants to help me find, um, basically, uh, to get to the highest peak in the land to spread my wife's ashes.
0: You're just spoiling the shit out of that game, aren't you?
1: I mean, I didn't mean, I I, I guess with that I kind of assumed that everyone (laughs) had had already beaten it. But at the same time, like, I'm not even probably half the way through the game. Would you agree with that? Because, I mean, there's nine realms. I've only been, I'm only going to the third one now.
0: Well, you're not going to go to all the realms.
1: Oh, really? Then, oh. Points
0: off. Points
1: off. What?
0: You don't go to all the realms.
1: They better pick up on that in the sequel, because we know there's one coming.
0: Oh, we know there's a sequel coming. I gotta ask, what do you think about Mimir's head uh, talking on the boat trips? Like, did you notice that, like, they'll have a conversation, and then when you get to land, they'll pause the conversation, and then when you get back in the boat, they continue the conversation from exactly where they left off?
1: Yeah, because both Atreus and Kratos have mentioned that, like, you were talking before and you didn't finish, and then he'll continue. The only problem with that, though, is I get what he was saying before after I've gone and done some exploring and some killing, uh, I completely forgot where it left off. So what he... It, it doesn't really help all that much when I forgot what you said before and you pick up 20 minutes or 30 minutes later or maybe an hour sometimes and you're explaining something that I, I just have a vague remembrance of what you're talking about.
0: Well, I, I found myself a lot of times when I pulled up to the to the boat ramp, I just stopped, waited for him to finish the story, then I went on. Because those, those stories are really good. Like, they... It's it's a it's a subtle way of telling you the story, without making you watch a cutscene.
1: Yeah, because I mean, you're traveling across the nine realms. You're traveling traveling across the, the Lake of Nine, and just having another character sit there and talk to you while you're you know rowing in your boat. It's I mean, it's it, you're right. It's a good way to tell kind of extra to beef up the story a little bit and expand the lore. Other than you know finding the secret, the hidden caves, and all the the different lores that you have to have, um, Atreus. Trans, uh, translate.
0: H- have you uh, have you found your first Valkyrie yet?
1: Uh, I found the Council of the Valkyries. I did find that, um, but I have not found the Valkyries. Uh, like I said, I just beat the dragon. Which I'll give it to him. That was a really cool boss fight. That was more of a God of War boss fight than I had experienced previously in this ga- Previously in this game, I read an interview earlier this week where Cory Barlog, who is also the director of God of War Two, so he knows about big boss fights was talking about how they had to cut a lot of boss fights from the game because they were just kind of too ambitious, and that's one area where he feels like they could have done better with the game, was with the boss fights. The dragon, though, the dragon was awesome. I can't pronounce his name.
0: Since I hate you, we're going to move on to Yield. Yield, what have you been playing?
3: So, I've been playing some Adrift and uh, Red Dead Redemption 2, and then I jumped into some online Uh, Last night and today. And that's it.
0: Okay. And the only thing I've been playing is The Division. Uh, I played a little bit of... uh, uh, Jeez, I forgot the name of the game. Uh, And I I say a little bit because it took me like an hour to get the Platinum. Uh, That's a shock. But, alright, in my defense, I, I would not call this a chump game, though. Because it actually, uh, it.
3: Was it one it, of those puzzle games?
0: Uh, yeah, it's a puzzle game. Uh, it's called Mix Ups.
3: Okay.
1: You might want to stop and explain to Zach what we would consider a chump game or a chump platform. Because <laughs> he's probably like, man, they're ragging on this game real hardcore. Did I come on the wrong show?
2: Somebody invested their time and their effort and all their love into this game, and now you're just throwing it by the curb.
0: Well, I right, what we consider. Right, well, you know what? There's a highly contested debate on what we'd consider a chump game, um, and we actually—well, I started writing the trophy horse bills of rights just so we can, you know, clarify. A chump game is a game that really takes little to no effort to get all of the all the trophies in.
1: It's less about the game and more about the trophy list, then.
0: Yeah. Okay, okay, that makes sense. So, a game like Slide, which is only available in the EU uh, PlayStation Store, you could literally go online, buy the game for 99 cents, look up a guide online, and have the platinum uh, 15 seconds later. Sheesh. <laughs> That's a chump game. Mm-hmm. And yes, I do have that platinum.
1: That's... That, oh, oh. Of course you do. That's where the real money is right there in the easy Platinums. Uh,
0: but they would also consider uh, Hannah Montana a chump Platinum. Terminator Salvation's a chump Platinum. Um, But there's also definitions of the chumps. Like it, Some of us are against, uh, like Alex was alluding to before, he got the Platinum in Sly 4 using the cross save, which had two trophy lists where if you... If you traded your, if you, if you set your PS4 save to the cloud and downloaded on the Vita, the Vita trophies would automatically pop without having to do the work again. Mm -hmm. So in his case, he got two platinums for the same game, but he only had to play the game once. So that's why he's interesting. So that's why he says 101 platinums in 100 games.
1: Basically, when we're (laughs) describing all this, we're very much flying by the seat of our pants because this changes all the time. (laughs)
0: <laughs> and that's why I said we started writing the trophy U.S. Bill of Rights, but we just had never finalized it.
2: Hmm.
3: Probably for good reason too. It's still on the House, or it's still it's still in the House of Representatives.
0: <laughs> all right, so let's get into our topics. Uh, first topic: I know uh, I took a couple weeks off, guys, and uh, you guys covered all of the layoffs from uh, Activision. It, well, apparently,
1: uh, that's not. Well, I guess it is all of them. There's just more news coming to light now.
0: Yeah, it says, according to our our recently discovered report, 209 of the 800 players were laid off were actually part of Blizzard, sides of gaming. So... um it, it wasn't just Activision that was affected. It was also Blizzard that was affected. Uh, these employees were given 60 days of compensation and the benefits, and, quote, none were represented by a union according to the worker adjustment and retraining notification followed by the state of Blizzard on February 12th. Uh, these impact, these layoffs impacted those in the U.S., including Irvine, Santa Monica, Burbank, and New York City, Austin, and Bloomington, Minnesota.
1: I would figure that Blizzard makes enough money to keep itself afloat for the next 2,000 years.
0: That's what I would say.
1: Uh, where did we get that information from, Tricky? Which website?
0: This is coming from IGN.
1: I mean, it's... I... I, Zach probably has a much di- Well, maybe not a much different perspective, but obviously a different perspective than we do coming from the industry. But I, I think you never want to hear that people are getting laid off, especially with a company that seems to do so well, even if they overshoot... Or they uh, overestimate their their profits. So
2: right, Zach, is, I would agree. Yeah how do you how I do you feel about a, this whole
1: situation, Zach?
2: I think a, a number of people in the industry would look at a, a company like Blizzard or um, a lot of the big names and say, "Oh, that's a safe company." You know, you get a job there, you get a job for life. And this was kind of a shock to us in the industry because, huh? I guess I guess it bleeds. You know. Uh, on one hand, I think of it like this. The games industry is incredibly risky. Like, I poured my life savings in the Bomb Fest, for example, and it we'll, we'll see when it all comes back or what kind of profit we'll be looking at still. It's still too far out to tell. And uh, four years in development means that's that's a risky, risky kind of maneuver. I don't recommend that. And uh, even just getting a job. Like, if sales don't keep up, if, if market trends change... If Fortnite catches on for some reason, I mean, it can all change in the blink of an eye. I think this is the most volatile industry. Like, you've got the best chance for the most money, but at the same time, you're really praying that job holds out. Um, With that in mind, like, it's always scary to see this happen. You don't expect this, and you wish that there were some way that we could make work in this industry more reliable. At the end of the day, we're making art, you know? Like... Art's scary. People are going to like it one day and hate it the next. And it really just depends how the wind blows. So uh, my heart goes out to everybody who's was let off. And I hope that they can find connections uh, in other jobs going forwards because they're incredibly talented individuals. And yeah, we all dream of being in this industry. They probably felt they had a safe position at what we consider a safe company. But their pedigree will stand with them. They've got Activision Blizzard on their resume. Like, that's intense. They're gonna move forward with that, and I'm confident that they'll be able to find another place in the industry should they continue to pursue that.
0: Yeah, having Activision Blizzard on your resume is kinda of like having Harvard on your resume when you want to go to you know get a job as a lawyer. Harvard law. It's like, okay.
1: Well, I mean it's- the thing about the games industry is yes, like people always want that kind of entertainment. You're always gonna be able to sell games, but you also have these big budget productions. Where, like, the, the the money that it costs, like, to actually make these games and put on the marketing campaigns, like, it's not just, like, you know, people look at the budgets of movies, but the mudges, budgets of games are just as high. So, like, that's where a lot of the risk comes from. Like, there's still a lot of money being tossed around, even if, you know, I mean, people may see video games, you know, it's like, oh, it can't be as expensive to make a video game as a movie. There's still a ton of money getting tossed around, and if necessarily, like, something doesn't hit, like, a studio could be gone overnight.
2: Yeah, exactly. It's 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 nuts. I mean, movies a great comparison because just a bad blockbuster weekend can mean the end of a franchise, you know. But look at something like Anthem right now. Who's been pouring so much money into advertisements? I haven't seen so many advertisements on YouTube and like just uh, daytime television, and yet it's it's kind of faltering right now, which is terrifying. They've been announcing this thing for years, and here we are wondering. These employees are wondering, like, what's my job look like now?
0: And, and, was this me? And just look was at this it just, like, just luck. I'm sorry. Just just look at like Telltale. Like they yeah. they were on such a such a high, and now they're gone.
2: Oh yeah, and like we never expected this from Telltale. That was out of the blue. I mean, we look up to their games. That's man. However the wind blows, right?
1: Well, like just a few other like scary examples. Like for within Activision, I don't know if you all remember Raven Software, but they were like a highly accredited studio, and then they put out Singularity, a well received game, and after that they were gone. And you look at Blackrock Studio with Disney and you know Disney's focus might might have been shifting away from that kind of game but Blackrock Studio put out Split Second a game that yield and I both like a very high quality game and they were gone after that game It happens you've been in an doing instant well
2: you know like even if you do good that doesn't mean you're going to make it that's that's the true scary thing you can have a good game and people love it and then you know just doesn't make enough so oh well
0: <laughs> yeah, well, look at the... I mean, you, you were talking about uh, Disney, Alex. Look at the Toys to Life games. Like, for the while, they were on the top you know, between Skylanders and Disney Infinity. And then one day, they're just like, all right, we're done.
3: I, I think some of that was they oversaturated the market.
0: I mean, that that's true. I mean, but also look at THQ. THQ's main demise is when they came out with that UDRAW tablet. Like, they invested so much money into that, and when that flopped... The whole company went away. Uh, Now, in a little bit of news that we all kind of expected to come, Uh, Kojima has officially said Death Stranding is a little behind schedule. Get
1: out of (laughs) here! Wait, hold on. What is the schedule for Death Stranding? There
3: is no
0: schedule. We don't know. (laughs) No
1: one
3: knows. All we've seen is a couple trailers.
1: Why would he even say this? Because it's not like we all have, like, a date down in our calendars of when it's going to come out.
0: (laughs) I don't know. But, uh, another article from IGN, uh, Death Strand has, has fallen slightly behind Kojima production's internal planned release date, according to the man in charge. Uh, Kojima made the statement in an interview with J wave, um, and was translated by IGN Japan. He says it's common for studios to fall behind on their planned release date. And Death Strand is slightly behind our initial plan, but not behind by much. Uh, that's that's the quote. At one point, Kojima was hinting that the game could be out before 2019, so it does feel like there have, may have been multiple planned release dates.
1: So, like, I will always give credit to a developer and a publisher who is willing to hold back a game to finish it, because we've talked about in, in previous weeks about games that have to be patched day one, or that are unplayable, or severely hindered by, you know, bugs in the game that they just shoved out the door. At the same time, I have to ask: like with Death Stranding, there's been so much mystery surrounding the game. Like, when was that game initially announced?
3: Like, was it, when was it revealed? Was it la- two years ago? Oh, was, it, was it two years ago? I say yeah. it was last year or two, two years ago.
0: I, I think it was yeah I two think, years ago.
3: No, that sounds
1: right. E
0: 2017.
3: Yeah.
1: At what at what point does a game take so long to come out that other so many other games come out before that people start to care less and less about Death Stranding? Duke Nukem Forever. Well,
0: <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh well see the, the the thing is is when Kojima left Konami it was such big news that Sony had to announce that they landed Kojima to make an exclusive game for them. And that's when they that's when we started hearing the news about that stranding. My personal feelings is yeah, I like Kojima going to PlayStation, that's huge news, but you didn't have to tell us what game, because we knew at that point whatever game he was working on was not coming out for five years.
1: Was it more important to have Kojima on the project or Norman Reedus?
0: I think it was more important to have Kojima. Uh, Kojima.
1: Well, here's the thing: Kojima's name. I hate to say this, it, you know, he carries, he commands a lot of respect because he's made so many fantastic games and he has such experience within the game industry. But Metal Gear Solid itself carries far more impact than Kojima's name alone. So I don't think so. I really you don't.
0: No, because Because... when it comes to Metal when it comes to Metal Gear Solid, they've released a Metal Gear Solid game. Now granted, it was a shitty game. Okay? Survive was a shitty game. But they released that game and that game did nothing. I guarantee you, if in some way, shape or form Kojima was behind Survive, that game would have been spectacular.
1: I mean, so, are you giving him too much credit there? Like, trying to... Are we just talking about making it a different Metal Gear game altogether? Or just trying to repair and make Metal Gear survive based on its concepts now better than they are?
0: Well, Kojima is... It would be a totally a, I'm sorry, you'll get... I
3: would say, not that I played much of it, I think I... Did I mess around with the beta? Either way, I think it would have been a totally different game. You wouldn't have got the game that was presented.
1: Well, he's not going to make a multiplayer-focused game. He's going to make a, a story-based single-player campaign.
0: Well, that's that's what I'm saying. is We never would have gotten Survive if Kojima was still a part of it. Konami tried to cash out on the name Metal Gear and failed horribly.
3: Which everybody, knew, Koj- everybody knew that was going to happen. Now Everybody knew that just because it had a Metal Gear name, it wasn't going to be the same kind of game.
0: Which is why I'm saying Kojima, the name Kojima means more than Metal Gear Solid, because there is no Metal Gear Solid without Kojima.
1: But here's one thing you're forgetting, is that, is Kojima a household name? Like, how many game developers these days are household names? Usually people just talk about the games themselves.
0: Well, uh, you know what? Are we we in
1: a world where the game developers, like, on, like, most people know the people who make the video games they play, other than the publisher?
2: I would kind of argue that, you know? I think, uh... Especially in the games industry, we're moving a lot more towards the celebrity behind the game more so than the game itself. Like, when I think Metal Gear, I think Kojima. I think of how ridiculous he is. (laughs) When I think of Nier Automata, I think of, um, shoot, his name's uh, skipping my mind. But the guy who wears that that face mask everywhere he goes. I think about people like, um, shoot.
0: like Neil Druckmann at (laughs) Naughty Dog?
2: right like i think about what's his face uh, the guy's been on stage about fallout 76 just running around and people are just hate that guy's guts i think about a uh, jeff with the overwatch team we think uh, i think the age of kind of the celebrity behind games is coming to a come to a head here it's kind of like movies where you've got these these producers you got these jj abrams and so on and so forth where you're like oh they're making a movie i want to go see it Kojima's making a new game. It's not Metal Gear. I want to go play it. You know, so it's not so much uh, the title so much. I think there's some clout there, but we're really coming to an age where the developer is in some way the reason that people pick up certain games. It's weird.
1: I mean, they're like like Tim Schafer is a guy. His name carries a lot of weight for me. I think David Jaffe was one of those guys that you said his name after God of War and like, oh, he was Twisted Metal too. Like his name carried a lot of clout. But I'm t- like most households, like most people, they'll, they'll like say, well, they'll go to Walmart and just pick up a game, as opposed to you know going to GameStop or downloading it on their console. Do most people really know? Like, is Kojima's name enough to try to to drum up enough interest in this game, especially if it takes forever for it to come
0: out? All right let let um, let me uh, let me uh, ask you a question before I answer your question. When you say most people, are you referring to? Everybody in the world, or the the informed people that listen to podcasts, go to IGN stuff like that. Are you talking about most of those people, or are you just talk about most of everybody in the world?
1: I will have to re- to retort with a question for you. The people who <laughs> listen to podcasts are not the majority of people. Well, that's that- why
0: I'm asking you because it, the average mom and dad that's going to go to the store and buy a video game or buy a music. They're not reading the news. They don't know about the Neil Druckmans. They don't know about the Hideo Kojimas. They just know the name of the game. But for us, the inform, the people that are in the industry, the journalists, the podcasters, the influence, we know these names. And therefore, uh, to uh, and I don't want to speak for Zach, but from what I got from Zach is that because we know these people, those are becoming more popular than the titles of the games themselves is because we know this person is behind this game. It looks look at Amy Hennan. When she left Naughty Dog and went to the to the Star Wars game, when the Star Wars game got canceled, it was shitty the Star Wars game got canceled. But also in that same comment was how Amy Hennan just lost her game. So it's just equally as important.
1: Here's the thing. Like, what's the bigger percentage of the population? The people who don't listen to podcasts and go to video game websites, or the people
0: who do? The the people that don't.
1: But, like, I would say, like, think of your top ten favorite games, or, like, ten games that you love to play on the PlayStation 4. Can you name all the developers of those games, like, the the people behind it?
2: There's some wisdom there, uh, but I think what we're getting at is, there are some franchises and games where it's... It's this guy, you know, the Tim Schafer, the Kojima, where all of a sudden some franchises are not being driven by the games themselves. Like I grew up with Spyro and Crash Bandicoot, I couldn't name one of the people behind that game, but I could name some of these celebrities that have come out of the woodworks and who've either done great things or fallen flat on their faces. It's almost like reality TV. I mean, if you're so, talking
1: Insomniac Games, Ted Price is usually the guy who's in the forefront quite a bit. The the CEO of uh there we go insomniac so i definitely think that a lot of these developers deserve their have their names out there um and you know they deserve to be household names because they're obviously putting in a lot of work and a lot of hard work so yeah they definitely deserve to be known i just wonder with a game like this if kojima's name alone is enough to carry it
0: i i, I personally think yes i mean obviously well, you're, you're a this- kojima holic well see
3: i'm i'm the skeptic on that i i I was interested when Kojima was doing an exclusive game for PlayStation. Everything that I've seen from Death Stranding makes me go, okay, that seems what kind What the of,
0: hell am I looking at? Yeah,
3: it, it seems interesting, <laughs> but what the hell am I looking at? Because I'm still... I, I am still not sold on this game that I'm buying it. Now, I know because of what Kojima has done with the Metal Gear games that it's going to be... There's going to be a lot of twists and turns. There's going to be a very heavy story-driven that you have to pay attention because something he mentioned here is going to get brought up way down here and to tie everything together. But still, if if it doesn't play well and it doesn't, I don't want to say feel cool, but I mean, I you get what I'm saying. I'm, I I I would pass on it, even with Kojima as the head.
2: The thing, the thing with like a the kind of the the downside of the celebrity culture is that Kojima doesn't make Metal Gear Solid, right? He's the the game designer. There's a whole team that works to make those games as memorable and as fun as they are. And will that same team be working on Death Stranding? That's what you got to ask.
0: Well, he he, he. Well, they did they did announce that most of the team from Kojima Productions when they were with Konami have moved over. I mean, obviously, some stayed, some went. But they, but he said the majority of the team he had with Metal Gear is now working on Death Stranding.
2: Hmm. We've got a new environment. I, I wonder if that's going to have an effect on the quality of the game. So I'm definitely a skeptic here too. Well, here's, Kajima, here's
1: Oh, sorry. Hmm. Go ahead, Zach.
2: And like his name, his name's got some weight to it. So we'll see how much he can swing with that. Go
0: ahead.
1: I think the biggest problem with this game in particular is that it's been <laughs> announced two years ago, and we still have no idea what it's about.
0: Well they, they they even in the article that uh I linked in the uh agenda, they did a two hour demo, including with um uh the the Metal Gear movie director uh was in there and they all walked out of the meeting going, I still don't know what the hell this is about.
1: Yeah, and that only lasts for so long. You can only give us breadcrumbs for so long before we're just like why do I care about this game other than Kojima's in it? Or Kojima is behind
0: it. I mean it's got it's got Nolan North, it's got uh Troy Baker, it's got Norman Reedus, it's got some big name celebrities in the game. I I just don't think we're really gonna know what the game's about until The game is out. We have <laughs> well, no, I'm gonna say a little while before launch because the the mystery, you know, like even this conversation like you're having right now, the mystery behind it. To Alex's point, it's only going to last so long. But the mystery is what keeps people talking about it. I can't argue with that. There's a a value to the way this is being quote-unquote marketed because it's still staying up in conversations. And, like, Alex's first thing, like, why even announce it's behind schedule if we don't even have the release date? It's to keep it in your mind. That's a good point. All right. That is the end of our topics this week. Now wait, uh, before
3: you throw it to Sid, I'm a little disappointed in your topics this week. Why is that? Because you did not put on here about uh the division two's big day one patch, and I thought for sure you'd have that in there.
0: Well trying I, to sweep
1: that under the rug there, Tricky.
0: No, I mean I we could talk about it. I I honestly didn't do it because one of the rules that we have on the show is that if not one more than one person can talk about a topic, we uh we generally skip it. Yes, uh, Division Two, uh, if you buy it digitally, um, they, you have to download the game, and then there's going to be another 92 gigabyte patch. Ain't
3: that crazy? I saw that. I thought that was insane.
0: <sighs> yeah,
3: d- d- in my opinion,
0: just delay the game. It, but that that's the thing. It's not the patch is is huge but it doesn't re- uh, replace the game size okay now explain the, that to me uh let's just say your game the game division 2 which i don't know exactly let's just say it's 80 gigs okay for the base game for
3: the base game to install it onto the system to play it it's 80 gigs
0: right all right and maybe Zach can talk to more about this than i can because i'm 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 speculating at this point. There's something wrong with the Division 2, the way it's coded right now, where they have to patch the game. The patch itself is 80 to 90 gigs, but it just patches the game. It doesn't add to the size of the game.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, I would say what's probably going on here is a couple things, like why is there a day one patch is a great question and why is it so big?
0: Well, that's every game nowadays.
2: (laughs) Yeah, like, (laughs) why isn't there a day one (laughs) patch? Like, even BombFest, like, we were pushing a patch the day before. We had a a day negative one patch. Um, With these things, like, uh, when it comes to, like, a day one patch, like, there's certification that comes with getting stuff on consoles, getting into different countries and outlets and selling on markets. And one of the big problems is it just takes a long time I mean, BombFest, we'd submit it, and it would... I mean, I can't talk specifics, unfortunately, around NDAs, but it took us five months to get it through and everything. Oh, wow. And the game was done. Like, it wasn't changing. Like, it was done. In fact, I was working on the next patch that whole time and working on fixes. So five months to push that through, and to get a patch through, at least a couple weeks. So I think what it comes down to is these guys had started the certification at some point, realized there were bugs a little bit after that process, like five months out, if you will. So they're four months out. They, they come up with a fix. They can't push it into the main thing till it's certified and on the market. A day one patch is kind of the curse because you have to choose this thing's good enough to market. And if something's bad, well, get in the day one patch and hope nobody runs into it before then. But uh, as far as file size is concerned, like there's parts of a game that are just big. They're just bulky. You can't compress them. Usually patches are small because you're not sending like the game back to the consumer. You're sending the changes. So it's like, okay, this enemy does three more damage. You don't have to send the whole enemy code back. You just send increased damage by three. So what I assume is happening, there's a core system or something in there, a big chunk of it, that they just can't shrink down. They just can't make it smaller. Their compression, their patch software is just not working. But at the end of the day, the game size isn't going to be bigger. That amount is just what's going to be changed. So they'll basically replace that size of data with this patch, and uh, it'll the same space will be taken up, hopefully.
0: All right, and now I have to ask you, and I'm going to put you on the spot, and if you can't answer it, I'll, I'll have Alex take it out of the show entirely. We When we've talked about patches before, a rumor has surfaced that when it comes to patching your game, Sony or Microsoft charge you up to $40,000 to patch your game after release. Is that true?
2: Mm, so, <laughs> based on the fact that our publisher is allowing us to patch our game, I, I don't actually know that number, but I assume that if it's above zero, it's nominal. Um, at, in the past, there's a reason that we had a lot of free-to-play and popularly updated games on PC, because you wouldn't pay anything to update on PC. There was a cost associated in the past. Um, I can't actually speak for now. Um... But I assume that it's it's far lower, if not just nominal, because we're out I've been pushing patches and my publisher hasn't been getting pissed at me for making <laughs> changes. So <laughs> if so, I got a debt to pay off. But um at some point that was true. I'd say nowadays it's a different kind of field.
0: Okay. Um and the one thing I, I like I before we actually thought to say it, one thing I, I laughed at hysterically, um was because I'm obviously I've been playing the division nonstop. I'm going to be playing division two in two days uh, as of this recording. Um, Ubisoft went full savage and released a press release, you know, a fake press release uh, saying Mexico would declare a state of emergency to ensure national security and protection approves full funding uh, building of a wall to immediately along the United States border.
3: I, I read that. I thought that was awesome. Great PR.
0: Thought that was hysterical.
3: I I loved it. I read that and I'm like, bravo. <laughs> that
0: that's marketed at his best. Like, oh, all right, you guys are gonna, you guys are building the wall. No, we're building the wall to keep all you sick people away from us. All right, so our topic of the week we didn't. We don't have a topic. What we have is the interview. Zach, we're gonna take full advantage of the fact that you're here and we can talk to a developer. And uh, since Yield loves your game so much, I figured I'd let Yield lead the, the interview. Tricky tricky just wants to eat. No, 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 I have no food in front of me, but I do want to go smoke a cigarette, so I'm gonna step away for a second. Ah,
3: see, there's the reason. <laughs> so So I heard about your game, Zach, Bombfest, from my buddy who was at uh, went to Famcom what would that would have been three weeks ago from today? Yeah. So he was over, he went there, come back and he's like, dudes, we were all sitting there playing video games. He's like, Hey man, he's like, you guys got to try this game out. I tried it the other week and we're like, all right. So we played it and we played it for like five hours just sitting there blowing each other up. So I, I wanted to ask, or one of the things I wanted to ask was, um, what inspired you to make Bombfest?
2: Well, um, let's see. Uh the, the good a- the the bad answer is just kindergarten, you know, your friends building up towers, you want to walk over and kick that sucker over, but that's not how you make friends. And uh that's probably why probably why I've got so few friends these days. But um really it was there was a flash game called Boxhead the Rooms. Um it was an armors game game, I think. At least that's where I found it. And it was these little little square headed guys with guns. They'd walk around, they'd shoot things, and uh, it was just really simple. It was like toys. So I want to make something similar. Recreated the game in Unity, added some physics because every game's better with physics, and it turned into this this uh it actually did it turned into something that's not at all like Bombfest. A game called Well Wishes. You had bone arrow, you had swords, you had clubs, stuff that are rather absent from Bombfest. We took it to a contest in Columbus, ended up winning a free Unity license, and the, the judges were like, you know what, best part's the bombs. So we scrapped everything but the bombs, and now we've just got a chaotic uh, multiplayer experience where you blow things up.
1: I gotta give you credit on those physics, because the physics of like the blocks and stuff, when the bombs go off and the bodies are flung, from, that sounds really morbid, but when the bodies are flung from the arenas, uh, the physics are really great, so you guys did a really good job on that. Like I read, you know, that the game was first the first incarnation of the game came out. Like uh, it was first being worked on in 2015. It was like uh, there was a, like medieval inspiration behind it, which is where the swords and the arrows and the bombs come from. How did you guys get from the medieval inspiration to one of more like a toy box in a house?
2: Sure. So originally, uh, Well Wishes was this this cooperative adventure. It was kind of like a Zelda Four Swords or just a top down cooperative deal. And uh, I. Just had these simple little... The, the story was basically... You had some really boring medieval people who had to go on an adventure. You had a baker, a courier, a tailor, and a minstrel. And they get chosen into an a, a adventure of high fantasy and high stakes and saving princesses and whatnot. I don't remember at this point. But the names just stuck. As the game evolved, um, I love these characters. I loved uh, what I'd drawn into them and I said... I've already got the designs and stuff. Why not just keep them how it is? From there, it's just grown. We've been adding new characters and requesting characters from the community and adding them to the game. And uh, I don't know. There's something about toys and medieval setting that just feels right. Destruction, like castles. Maybe there's some besieged uh, seeping in with the influence there, but just something about it just fits. So I can't say for certain, but it feels right.
1: It's really cool. Like when they go, like there's the level select screens and it's basically like an arena within like a bigger room and it focuses on the room and then like it zooms in onto the arena itself. It may be like a nightstand next to a bed. Like I really like the presentation that you all did there with that.
2: Thank you so much. Uh, that was, I have to attribute that to um, Marissa Hike, our 3d um, art director, basically, or she is our art director. I should say she does the 3d art to make those rooms and share the idea for those transitions. Um, we wanted to, you know, it's a kid playing with their stuff, like, I can't make 3D models, so when we first made the game it was just a table floating in space and that didn't make a lot of sense so Marissa came in, she's like, let's just make these rooms, and I think I think the presentation really lends well to showing that, you know, a kid's gonna own some space, they're gonna build their castle their tower, and they're gonna make a mess of things, so um, I, I'm glad you like it, and uh, we're we're happy with it as well
1: I I do have to ask do you guys ever get like questions or associations to Bomberman?
2: You know, um, I <laughs> before I started advertising the game as um, Sumo Wrestling with Explosives, I'd say it's Smash Bros. meets Bomberman. Okay, and...
1: I'm sorry to interrupt you, but like <laughs> I've I have been like. Someone else mentioned Bomberman. I was like, okay, throwing bombs at people, I kind of get that. But then, like, I saw people flying out of the arena. I was like, oh, that's kind of like Super Smash Brothers Because, like you, I've been playing quite a bit of Super Smash Brothers as well since we got our, our Switch for the holidays. But, okay, so I, I just kind of... That was kind of the same thought that went through my head. Um, while recognizing it as its own entity, its own game, I'm like, wow, that, that's kind of like Bomberman marries Super Smash Brothers. So, sorry, yeah. Zach, go ahead.
2: You got it. And uh, Smash Bros., of course just a classic party game where you bring your friends together. Like our whole goal was getting people on the couch and Bomberman. Uh, uh, I've never played Bomberman. I heard it's a good game, so I hope it's fun. Uh, but yeah, I figure why not just sell it as games that people recognize and understand. And that seems to do a good job of explaining it.
0: All right. I, I'm back and I got to ask you a question. I, I Now, Granted, I was away from the headphones for a second, so I don't know everything that was just discussed, but you're on a trophy podcast, like, we care about trophies. When it comes to making the trophies in the game, how much care gets put into that, and, like, how much do you think about the trophies, or is it more of a, oh, shit, we gotta put trophies in this game, okay, we'll make a trophy for this, we'll make a trophy for that.
2: Mm, so... This is, this is a topic I'm, I'm pretty passionate about. Like I, uh, my first real experience with trophies was the orange box, um, with, uh, half-life and portal and team fortress two and team fortress two these days has a stupid number of achievements. There's hundreds and hundreds in that game and trophies and whatnot. And it's in some ways you got to sit there and say, these guys have made so much. What's good about this? What sucks about this? Um, I think achievements add to a game so much. Like, when you give people a trophy to look forward to and try to, like, accomplish, sometimes it's just what? Start the game. Okay, chapter one. You load chapter one. You play chapter one. You finish chapter one. There's three trophies for you. Like, that That doesn't add to an experience. That just shows you how far you've played. Just look at the percent next to your save file. But when something gets you to think about a game in a new way, something that the developer was like, this is cool, but no one's going to find it. That's that's where the beauty kind of comes out like i remember in tf2 there were um they try and get you to do goofy stuff like you have to be a soldier and you have to kill two enemies after a rocket jump that's challenging why would you try and do that unless the game taught you or like, why would you taunt in the explosion of a dead body? Like, that's just funny. Like the game's better because you see people trying to do this stupid achievement and you get to blow them up or you get to watch them and like high five them afterwards. Like that creates gameplay. It's a meta oh, yeah to itself.
3: One, one of the trophies in bomb Fest is you take the rocket bomb
2: mm. and you
3: got to blow somebody, not, you know, KO them after a couple of volleys.
2: Mm -hmm. We've been
3: playing for a while, and all of a sudden, accidentally, we we didn't know that trophy existed. We caught it and was throwing it back and forth, and we're like, oh, you can do this? So we're sitting (laughs) there between the four of us, just throwing this rocket randomly between the four of us, seeing how long we could keep it going before somebody got blown up. And then all of a sudden, Mm -hmm. we got a trophy for it, and it's like, what, what? There's a trophy for that?
2: Exactly, right? Like, for some people, they see that rocket, and it's the homing missile, and they just run for their lives. They won't even try and stop it. If we're at shows, I'll sometimes just tell people like catch it, throw it back, throw it back, and like in a trophy. Now we can use that to per- like pique people's interest. Be like, oh shoot, you can throw it back and forth. You can catch the nuke. Like that's the- another one. we the, we yeah. never
3: were able to do that. We tried
2: that. <laughs> it's not easy. We get people who come to shows just to try. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, I'm I'm looking on uh, PlayStationTrophies.org dot org right now, and I looked up the trophies for Bomb Fest. Uh, have, are you familiar with this website, Zach? Uh, yes, I am. Okay. It says your estimated trophy difficulty is a two point five out of ten. Hmm.
3: That's voted on by everybody who plays it on the forums.
0: Right. Uh, approximate time to platinum: five to eight hours. Must be done in one sitting; otherwise, it will take much longer.
2: Ooh, let's talk about that real quick. Um,
0: <laughs> okay. So.
2: Talking about day one patches, uh, there's currently an issue with save files on PS4 for BombFest. And this somehow got past our certification. It's a strange little edge case. It has to do with starting the game with a certain number of players logged in. If you have one player um, logged in their profile and people log in after the game started, no issue. If you have guests signed in, no issue. But if you've got multiple people signed into controllers when they uh, boot up the game it'll try and load the save file twice, corrupts the save file, you lose it. So that is not at all intended. And uh, if anybody's struggling with that out there, um, we are pushing to fix that with our 1.1 patch, which should be coming in the coming weeks. So, that's that's uh my bad. Like I fully apologize for that. You're not supposed to sit there and unlock everything every time you play.
0: Yeah, and, I mean, uh, well, yeah. the next thing apart in the list is a uh, number of missable trophies. This is none as long as you do all 174 matches in one sitting. Your progress <laughs> towards the unlockable items resets every time you close the game
2: app. Mhm. Yep, that's part of the the uh, the issue right now. So, that will be fixed very shortly and you will be able to take, you know, some breaks in between playing also we will be speeding up uh the unlock speed for items so you want to play that many matches to get everything our goal here isn't to make it like back in my tf of two days we called it cheesing like you had the list of achievements in front of you you had a server with just your friends you're like how do we knock all these out as fast as possible some people want to do that like i was the kind of player where i'm like how do i naturally make these happen in a match and i struggled and i get pissed and i wouldn't be able to do everything but for some people it's like let's knock these out let's just make these happen and like that's the fun of it I'm not here to tell people how to play the game or how to enjoy, like, their trophies. So if they can knock it out quick or they're easy, that's cool. But if I can do things like communicate, you can catch the nuke. Like, you can jump over the pit. You can uh, you get an achievement for having a player in each of the houses in the uh, the garden level. Like, just interesting things that encourage strange gameplay. Like, cool. That's its own reward.
0: All right. And when it comes to developing a trophy list for a game... Is there requirements put on to you by Sony or Microsoft that says you can only have this many trophies or this many of this? And like, because I listen to kind of funny and one and Greg Miller, you know, constantly talks about how developers are shy about putting a platinum on their game because they've gone to Sony and said, "Can we put a platinum in the game?" And Sony says no, and they just give up. But yet they go, uh, "No, we really want a platinum." Sony gives in. Like, how? <laughs> what are what are the Restraints as far as a trophy list goes when you know putting them into a game. Um
2: I I think I need to be careful about how much I share. Okay. Due to NDAs. That's probably why the information isn't so publicly available. Um I can say I'm surprised that most games don't have platinum trophies. And I maybe maybe that's as much as I can say there. Okay. Um
1: Well, here. Um, I, I've got another question for Zach because, you know, we, we don't want him to say anything that he's not supposed to. So, um, <laughs> we you guys have local co op. It's just local co op, not, uh, online co op, correct? Or online multiplayer, right?
2: At this time, it's local co op only.
1: So, like, Yield and I are big proponents of local, um, multiplayer. Like what goes into that if you're looking to make a multiplayer game, like what is kind of the things that you have to think about before deciding, okay, we want to put out online first or we want to do local couch co-op first? Like what what goes into that decision?
2: Oh gosh. It's like it's like trying to build a home, right? I lay this foundation for Bombfest. I get this this medieval party game going. I start building it up and people are like, oh man, I love the blue paint. So I paint everything blue and then I get the floor going. All of a sudden people are like, why doesn't your house have wheels? wheels oh i mean yeah some houses have wheels so this this one doesn't so far we didn't plan that from the start there's there's a basement you know it's hard to put wheels on a basement uh, <laughs> We didn't figure that out yet and uh they're like why don't you have wheels why don't you have wheels like well if we could have started with the house with wheels we'd have wheels that we wouldn't have a basement then but you know and uh it's i i do a a, a show uh twice a week where i make games live online and um i tell People who ask questions, if they ask about network programming, or they talk about AI or a couple other subjects, I say there's three forbidden types of programming, and network is probably the biggest one. It's its own beast. It's uh, If you're going to make a multiplayer game, you've got to start with it. You've got to plan it from the very beginning, and everything is going to be affected by it. So if you're building that house and you've already got a basement in, if you're going to put wheels on that sucker, you're going to have to make some serious changes to make that thing roll. And if you've got wheels on there and you want to give it a basement, same thing. You're going to have to do some work. So um, I can say that online multiplayer is something we would strongly desire for BombFest. And it's something that I'm actively looking into. Um, I can't speak on progress or dates, but like, we want that. The thing is, it's it's far, far harder than uh, it tends to seem from outside. Like so many people pop in the comments of a game, any kind of game, and be like, add multiplayer, just add multiplayer. I'm like, okay, let's turn on the multiplayer switch. <laughs> Like, it's, uh, shoot, it's months and months testing, development, especially cross-platform. There's its own nightmare. So, um, I'm not sure if that answers the question, but... No, that yeah, definitely. I, one of the things <laughs> that I
1: noticed, because I wanted to get, um, I you know, I watch videos on YouTube of people playing together, and one of the things I noticed, especially with a couch co-op game, you know, you like Mario Party, Smash Brothers, like, some of those, some games are meant to be played in the same room with other people. And I think this is definitely one of those games. I mean, having online options also is very nice. But when I was watching the YouTube videos, just seeing the reactions of all these people that were playing together in the same room, and just like a bomb goes off, and all four people go flying off the arena, and you just hear the "ah" from four people—like that kind of atmosphere cannot be replicated online.
3: And then and then you're, you're right. then you're arguing who was the last one KO'd to get the the points?
1: <laughs> because I would argue that you can't really have a party game if you don't have local multiplayer
2: yeah like um i i am very tempted to argue the same thing like there's something about it when i was working on the game originally people asked about local multiplayer and i said what's a party game where you can't lean over and punch your brother in the arm you know exactly (laughs) like (laughs) you gotta be able to be there and and drink with your friends like it's gotta be it brings people together no matter how much technology draws us apart we're never going to be able to get away from the feeling of just being around people so that's what party games hope to capture. So, yeah, I I fully agree.
1: And all right. I, well, hold on, Tricky. Let me,
2: okay. let me ask okay. one more okay. question. You and
1: you, you and Yield were talking about some of the, at least a couple ver- bombs in the game that people can, can hurl at each other. And, you know, I think there are a total of 10 bombs in the game, unless you guys are adding more uh, at some point. We but, might like, be adding some more very he, shortly. All right. Um, but I have a very kind of, uh, off the wall question for you. And I hate to go to the cliche of zombies because, well, it seems like at this point <laughs> zombies are kind of overdone, but I want to paint a little scene for you. It's a zombie apocalypse. Mm-hmm. You're trapped in a room with a group of zombies. Mm-hmm. One way out. The zombies are between you and the door. You have one bomb. What type of bomb is that?
2: Oh, goodness.
1: And obviously it has to be a bomb that's available in, in, uh, Bomb Fest.
2: Okay. This is this is tricky. I assume the sword doesn't count as a bomb, so I can count that one out. Um, I mean,
1: if you want to go go with some some zombies with a sword, I I salute you, sir. <laughs> well,
2: but... uh, our, our bomb fest sword is a cotton swab, so it doesn't do good at uh, removing heads. It it makes a nice noise though. Um, it's good I'm getting geez... earwax. <laughs> That's true. I mean, maybe they're just they just have. Like ear infections, and they they're looking for some support. You'll probably get something um,
1: far nastier than an ear infection all over that cotton swab if you're or that that Q tip if you're you pressing it against the mom's face.
2: Yeah, I, I don't know about you guys, but if I use a if somebody's used a Q tip in their ear, I I typically don't call dibs on it for seconds. <laughs> <laughs> I want the I other do. side.
3: <laughs> it's still good.
2: <laughs> um, I would have to go with I'd have to go with the bouncy bomb. I think. So this, this pupper, you throw it, after the timer runs out, it explodes, jumps straight up in the air, and bounces three more times. So it's got a larger range, it doesn't do as much push, but it's great for keeping an area clear. And if you're trying to get through that doorway, you need to keep people at bay. So a nuke's going to kill you, so probably a bad choice. Um, the bread, probably my second second best. I mean, that's a ration, and bread explodes, so not bad.
1: Now, like If you're playing Bomb Fist, like, in what situation do you want to use a nuke? Because like you said, you're going to kill yourself. If you use the nuke, is that just like, alright, well I'm going to seed this game and we're all going to tie? Is
2: that how it <laughs> works? <laughs> you, you, <laughs> you wait until you know <laughs> that everybody else has better hands, and then you fold with the nuke. Um, base, it's eh, Thankfully the range isn't too big, so realistically the actual advice is you throw it near the edge and you try and push people into it. But the best advice is you catch that sucker. And if you can catch that sucker, it becomes the most dangerous bomb in the game, and then you just hand it to somebody just like Christmas. <laughs> the worst game of hot potato ever.
0: <laughs> all right, so when yeah. when it comes to like you 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 mentioned before you uh used your life savings to make bomb fest at w- when you've made the game and you, it's out to the public and people are playing it does do you immediately shift to I gotta make bomb fest too? Or I got to add DLC to this. Where, where does your mind frame go once the game's out and, you know, it's stable and you're not having to patch, you know, stupid mistakes and whatnot? Like, are you immediately thinking about the sequel or are you immediately thinking about DLC?
2: Hmm. Well, first is definitely trying to lock down those stupid mistakes because they just keep coming up. Um, we from the beginning. Uh, We wanted to create a game that would bring people together and also just uh, uh, be something that grew with people. We don't want something where you play it once and you've experienced all that there is with BombFest. We want something that grows and evolves and you come back and say, I want to play this with, you know, all nukes or all rockets and something that you can just latch onto and enjoy in a multitude of ways. So... Uh, from the beginning, I I wanted I committed to updating the game with free DLC as the uh, months went on after release. So our first update will be coming, um, I'm going to estimate here, no promises, within a month with three new bombs, new stage, uh, more characters than you can shake a stick at, and a bunch of quality of life changes. So, we've been listening to feedback. we want to make the game better, and we don't want to charge people for it. I mean, the base game is still as strong as it is, and we feel like we want to add value to a product that's already out there. I'm really a strong believer of games like uh like Warframe and Team Fortress Two, where they just keep bringing the updates like they it's it's free content, and they're not losing money because of it. They're proving that they're they're proving to their customers that they're loyal, that they want to provide the best experience. And they're the people who are on the fence, all of a sudden they see that game pop up, it's on sale, and it has more content. Oh, that makes the buying process easy, right? Like, I think the long con is the best when it comes to games, personally. So that's what we're trying to pull here with BombFest. Give the people what they want, have more fun with, with the game that I still enjoy playing, and uh, yeah, keep it fresh.
0: All right, and I don't want to put you on the spot, but you said you wanted to support for free DLC. Is there ever going to be a point where you think you might have to push paid DLC just to bring an income in to keep doing the patches and keep doing the updates and or possibly make a sequel or another game entirely.
2: I I hope to never do that if I had the chance. I mean there's always the possibility. Like and some people actually people will jump on paid DLC. They see it as a as a luxury to be bought. So it's not off the table. Uh I can safely say there's no plans at this time. But as far as, like, getting the next game done, uh, I work full-time on BombFest, and I spend the rest of my time <laughs> doing other jobs to raise money, support these patches, and uh, support the next project down the line. So, it's going to happen, uh, paid DLC or not, and we'll just see what people uh, want of the game.
1: I think a great example of, you know, a studio of a s st- like a studio that balances paid DLC with free patches, because the biggest content that they do, that they release for Rocket League is you don't have to pay for it. Now, they release, you know, car models and stuff like that when they have to license, like, the Batmobile and Hot Wheels and stuff like that, the Ecto-1, like, you'll pay for that in in, um, in a DLC content pack. But most of their content that they release post-launch has been free. So, I mean, there is a balance where, you know, you can offer some paid content, but also still keep more than enough free content in the game to keep people playing three years after release.
2: I fully agree. I think that's a fantastic approach. And perhaps our own studio is just a little limited by staff and uh, and resources to uh, look into more complex ventures when it comes to DLC. But that's a fantastic approach and a uh, bully to them. Uh, if you guys wanted to see <laughs> your favorite sponsor in BombFest, to throw a question back at you guys, who would who would your dream little uh, tie-in be? Ooh. Wow. Wow. Uh, anything can I
1: get high C ecto cooler even though it's not <laughs> around anymore? <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, I would, I would jump for that. I could just put it in the
0: background of a few
2: stages. Easy,
0: easy. It
3: slimes everything when it explodes.
0: A <laughs> hey, uh, uh, uh little, little, uh, sidetrack here for a second because you, when you just second the ecto cooler, um. If anybody knows or doesn't know already, I live in New York City, and uh, I literally drive. Yeah, yeah, you're a dick. (laughs) (laughs) I I, Scottish accent. I literally drive by the Ghostbusters uh, firehouse every day at work. That's awesome. And they they obviously they you know with the third Ghostbusters movie coming out, they've updated it, so it looks cool as hell. But I, I just wanted to mention that. Sorry.
3: So since so so since you have a medieval, um, well hold hold on, let's answer his question first, because well that's what I'm doing. I I gave that's that's what I'm doing. You you did the actual code. So since you have a medieval theme, what about dragons?
2: Okay, okay, dragons, dragons.
1: Wait, do would you want like Game of Thrones?
2: We talking how to train your... Like sponsorships
1: (laughs) in there, like Game of Thrones or how to train your dragon?
3: You know, I don't know, a dragon skin, a dragon in the background,
2: I don't Uh, know. Should I go find a dragon and strike up a deal to use his likeness in the game, or... There you
3: go. That'd be a little
2: expensive, I feel like...
1: I think think that if I had to give you a a real answer to this question, like, just seeing some advertising for some other indie games in there, um, I think that that would probably be, like, that would be nice, just to see, because, I mean, you've seen... um, like, uh, uh, Brawlout has a couple, um, has Swan from Guacamelee, and it's got, I can't remember the, uh, the other indie game character that's thrown in there, but you do see a lot of indie games incorporating other characters from indie games in there. Shovel Knight's been tossed around a little bit, so I think I would just like to see a little bit more coverage for other indie games.
2: Yeah, I think that's a fantastic idea. A couple, and, skin, uh, a
0: couple skins for your, your characters, you know, maybe dress up like Game of Thrones characters or, or, you know, uh, ghostbusters or whatever you know just some skins for the characters yeah that's
2: then that's easy enough to do so i think that's on the table
0: all right
1: the hardest Uh, part is paying for the licensing of those ghostbusters characters
2: (laughs) (laughs) or you know just getting close enough Yeah, you just get close
0: (laughs) or or, or just whatever you do don't use friday 13th because apparently that game was picking up steam and then they had to squash all everything with that Mm.
2: Oh gosh! Yeah, you don't mess with legal stuff when it comes to games. Like you never mess with legal well, stuff. Well, apparently
0: they had the license, but then Kane Hodder brought them to court, and everything had to cease and desist.
2: Ooh, weird! That's 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 sketchy. That's sketchy. I I wonder the details of that. But I mean, actually, I can't even talk, guys. Uh, we made a commercial based on Smash sixty four's original commercial, live action, <laughs> like. Frame for frame, perfect recreation, parody music, parody everything. So I uh <laughs> and it's the only commercial you won't find on Nintendo's official commercial. Um <laughs> on their on their official channel on YouTube. So um I can't speak more on that, but <laughs> you,
0: you be careful with stuff. <laughs> Alright, uh you guys have any more questions or we can close out the show.
2: Well,
3: I I've got one. So Go so I noticed when we were playing, me and me and the guys were playing that it seemed that the only guy who was earning the trophy was the guy who started the game instead of the other three guys who were logged in playing as well. Is, is that, was that kind of by design or was that just something that was missed?
2: I think, I think this has to do with the, uh, the save bug that we talked about earlier. And uh, it definitely has to do with the, uh, the logins and the profiles. We're looking into it, and it's a it's a doozy.
3: <laughs> oh, I, I'm sure it's not easy.
2: But uh, we want to, we want to make sure that we. Uh, I mean, if you're in the game where you're in that trophy, I think you should get that trophy as well. So it's on our it's on our table to uh, make that possible. So uh, stay tuned.
1: I guess my last question for Zach, and I guess this would be a good transition into us closing out the show, would be you know. You've got an audience here, Zach, and you know, you've told us a lot about the game already, but if you were to sell somebody on the game, like, like, what would you just tell our listeners and say, hey, go out and buy Bomb Fist, like, what would be the things that you would say to them?
2: It's similar wrestling with explosives. I mean, this game, you can pick it up, it takes two buttons to play. You can, if you watch any gameplay or you watch people playing, you know they're having a good time. Like, it sells itself. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's the perfect party game. At least that's how I sell it. And if I can be playing it for who knows how many thousands of hours in developing this thing, I'm still not bored of it. Um, hopefully you've got the patience I do as well. And if not, a couple of beers will fix that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, uh, I I hate to be this guy, but uh, boom. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: we oh, had wow. one rule with our marketing, and that was never use a bomb pun. And we still haven't, because we want to let everybody else have that honor. <laughs> All right, I'm glad I can jump
3: on the grenade, on that grenade for everybody
1: else. Well,
0: well, this is, oh, this is, really? Well, this, double down on that.
3: This has been an explosive interview. Uh, <laughs> uh,
2: let me out of here.
0: Let's close out the show with some housekeeping.
2: Let's clean this shit up.
0: ProvingGamer.com is looking for some writers, podcasts, and video editors, news reporters, and generalized help with the site. If you're interested in applying, go to ProvingGamer.com, click on the Help Want tab, and fill out the application, and I will get back to you as soon as possible. While you're there, be sure to check out all of our articles and all of our videos. Speaking of our videos, they can be found on YouTube by doing a search for Official Proving Gamer. You can also catch me streaming at twitch.tv backslash Proving Gamer, which uh, I'm going to go now by BombFest and stream that probably tomorrow. Not as bad. of this recording. Which is going to pull me away from Division 2, so... How about
1: how about you stream all week, BombFest? Because, you know, maybe not everyone's free one night, so why don't you
2: stream all week? I'm not complaining.
0: <laughs> Zach, I like you, and no disrespect, <laughs> division but Division two, 2 comes out... out it, division 2 is out on Tuesday. <laughs>
2: She's calling to me.
0: <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> uh... You how, about you, how about
1: you wait to see how the, that, uh, that day one patch works
0: out, Ooh, and yeah. you,
1: you read the reviews before you uh, jump into the vision just yet?
0: <sighs>
1: I'm just trying it, to help your, your pocketbook, sir.
0: Uh, you mean our pocketbook? He's
1: already pre-ordered it. Should have, should have figured that. It's,
0: it's already installed on my system. What are you talking about?
1: <laughs> the collector's edition.
0: Uh, no, actually, I didn't get the collector's edition, surprisingly. <gasps> I should have. You didn't? I did not. There there was two versions of the, the collector's edition, and I wanted them both, and there was no way that I was going to convince the goddess to let me buy both of them. Because one was 150 the other one was 225 Jeez. And, uh, yeah, there was no way I was going to get both of them, so I figured, you know what, I'm not going to get either one.
1: <laughs> I'm sure you put up a good fight on that one. I
0: I didn't even discuss it with her. She's probably looking at me like with like I got two heads right now. Like you didn't get the special edition. Uh hey, can we go back to the housekeeping? Sure, let's I'm sure Zach has things to do. You know, he has he has to go. You know, make bomb fest.
1: He's already made bomb fest.
0: Always more to do.
1: He has to go make bomb fest even more awesome.
0: E- even more boomy.
2: You just we killed it. some, boom.
0: I, some I, boom. Yeah, I killed it. All right. Yeah. If you want to get a hold of us, there are several ways to get a hold of us. The first one is Twitter. You can contact the site at Proving Gaming. You can contact the show at Trophy You can contact me at Tricky Mick. You can contact Yielded. I yield to no one. Contact Alex at Rex. Contact Sid at Siderny. I forgot the numbers. It's Thank just you. Siderny.
1: S-I-D-D-E-R-N-E-Y.
0: Okay. And contact Steven at Child 27 uh, Zach, do you have a Twitter?
2: Yeah, find me as Zach Fierce on just about everything.
1: Also, BombFest has Twitter as well.
2: That's true. Play BombFest on just about everything.
0: <laughs> uh, if you want to send us an email, you can send us an email to trophyours at provinggamer.com, or you can call us at our phone number. Yield, what's that number?
3: 330-Proven-9. 330
0: if you listen to this podcast, we greatly appreciate it, but be sure to listen to our other podcast, PG spoilers, which I was told there's more episodes coming. They're, uh, being edited and they're being sent to me. Uh, Nintendo dual screens and game stuff. All of our podcasts can be found on Apple podcasts, formerly iTunes, Stitcher, your various podcast applications on your smart devices, Google play, tune in, and you can listen to trophy yours and Nintendo dual screens on iHeartRadio and Spotify. Ah, uh, if you want to get involved in our PlayStation Four communities, there's one for the site, Proving Gamer. There's one for the show called T Dub's Brothel. Why, Alex?
1: Because President of Worldwide Studios Shuhei Yoshida will not allow us to say whores on the PlayStation Network.
0: And you can get involved in Yields PlayStation Four community called the Platinum Guild.
3: What? Yes.
1: Why don't you tell people what they can do on the Platinum Guild?
0: Ah,
3: okay. So why <laughs> didn't know? What you, I didn't know. What you it's did. it's like you haven't
0: been on the show before. Why didn't you
3: know that's what you were leading into? You you said I had a th- anyway. So you go over to the Platinum Guild, request a uh, application. You better hurry because they're filling up fast. I might be at my quota for the year yet. So um, it's a place where you just post your latest platinum brag about
0: it, keep track about it. Alright, so that is the end of our housekeeping, but we do have some sponsors. Uh, Alex, why don't you tell people what Humble Bundle is, and then I'm going to go see what Humble Bundles are available.
1: Well, the Humble Bundle is a, first, to learn more about the Humble Bundle, you can go to HumbleBundle.com. You can even sign up for their electronic newsletter at the bottom of their homepage. Humble Bundle is a charity initiative that every month bundles together a group of games, and, you know, it offers you can make you can kind of name your price uh, for that bundle of games. The more you pay, it's kind of in tiers. The more you pay, the more games you'll get, the more content that you'll get. Uh, it, you know, obviously, you know, when you can get a good value on games, that's obviously a boon for you. But you also have to realize that this money that you're paying for these these charity initiatives also does, in fact, go to charity. So you're also helping people. So the more you pay, you're obviously rewarded with more goodies. And it's not just bundles; they also do. Um, Sales on single games. So if there's a particular game that you're looking to get for PC or something like that, they will oftentimes have individual game sales every month.
0: And they also have uh, coding books, uh, you know, development tools, all that kind of stuff on there. Right now, they have a deal. uh, Pay what you want. So you can pay a penny. And you get the first tree, Tangle Deep and Among the Sleep, Enhanced Edition. These are all for Steam. Uh, If you pay an average of $4.02, you get everything previously mentioned, plus getting over it with Bennett Bennett Foddy, Tooth and Tail, and Dream Daddy a Dad Dayton Simulator. And if you pay $10 or more, you get everything I just mentioned, plus overgrowth.
1: And they sometimes will have actually comic book bundles on there, too, like they recently did.
0: I think they have one going on right now. Uh, I'm looking, looking, looking. I don't see one right now. But they have all, all all of these, you know, recycle over the month, so, you know, by the time you hear this one, the next one might be live, so go check out Humble Bundle.
1: Yep, and I will always add the link to our Humble Bundle partnership page in the show description for every episode of True of Pures on on dot Gamer.com.
0: Yes. Uh, and our other sponsor is Extra Life. Uh, Yo, can you tell us about Extra Life? So,
3: Extra Life, November 2nd this year? Yes? Third?
0: I believe believe so. It's the second. I I believe it's
3: the second, because it was third last year. So on November 2nd, and it just so happens to be, uh, the end of Daylight Savings. So it's a 25-hour video game marathon. So what you do is, you form a team. Or you join a team. We have Proven Gamer has a team. You can join our team. Or you can just be all solo by yourself. So what you do is you get family members, neighbors, friends, total strangers to donate monies to you to play video games for 25 hours. 100% of the money that you get donated to you goes to the Children's Miracle Network Hospital of your choosing. So it's a win-win. You raise money to help kids that are sick and you get to play video games while you're doing it. So it's, it's a win-win situation. And if you want more
1: information on extra life, go to the website, extra life.org. Thanks Alex. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and, uh, we are also sponsored by Amazon. If you could, would each and every time you do shopping on Amazon, stop by any proven gamer uh, page, click on any Amazon link and continue to do normal shopping. It doesn't cost you anything extra and does help out the site tremendously. We also are Patreon. If you can go to patreon.com backslash proven gamer, uh, there are different tiers you can support us at. Uh, depending on the tier, is what, uh, what kind of perks you get. If we raise a certain amount of money, we're going to do a mobile app. We're going to do uh, live streams of our shows uh, on YouTube if I can ever get yield to commit to that. Uh, show crossovers, you may hear us host an episode of Dual Screens, Dual Screens hosted us, or vice versa with Game Stuff, everything uh so go check that out no matter what tier you support us at know that it greatly appreciates and special thank you to our patreon producers alex what are their names
1: they are felicia steph and cj anderson
0: yes so thank you especially to our patreon producers that is going to close out the show uh but first we have to do some shout outs alex your shout out sir
1: well, as always, I want to give a shout-out first and foremost to our listeners, the fuel to the fire that is Trophy Horse. Thank you all very much for your continued support of the show, because without you all, we would not be on iHeartRadio, we would not be on Spotify, so you all continue to push Trophy Horse to even greater heights. Give a shout-out to my co-host this week, Tricky and Yield, as well as our special guest, Zach. Zach, thank you very much for coming on and joining us this week.
2: Thanks for having me.
1: And last but not least, of course, I want to give a shout-out to my lovely girlfriend, Ashley, who's over on the bed playing some... Zelda, Breath of the Legend of Zelda, Breath of the Wild, and who actually today bought some uh, Girl Scout cookies for the house, some Samoa's, some Thin Mints, and some Tagalongs. My personal yeah, favorite. Yeah, Tagalongs. So definitely, Woo! definitely want to give a shout out to my lovely girlfriend Ashley.
0: D- does she say the uh, Breath of the Wild sucks like I say it does?
1: She seems to be having a lot of fun with it. Oh, by the way, I, I, don't, know find a can... new I
0: don't know how you can.
1: I don't know how I don't buy my girlfriend's tricky. I
0: also, didn't say I buy a girlfriend. I said you need to find a new girlfriend.
1: No thanks, I'm good with the one I got. But I don't know how you can uh I can't believe I forgot to bring this up. How can you complain about the changes they made to Zelda in Breath of the Wild and sit there and be completely gaga for God of War after all the changes they made from one part of the series to the next.
0: Alright, we're gonna get into this next episode.
3: Alright, that's fine with me. Fair uh,
1: those are my shout outs. Right.
0: Yield your shout sir. So, uh
3: as always, I give a shout out to the pimps and the madams of the whoredom. Thank you for listening, downloading, spreading everything that is Trophy Horse and Proven Gamer. I would like to give a shout-out to Zach, BombFest, and all—or I should say, Zach and all of the team at BombFest, because it really is a very fun party game, and you guys should give it a whirl, because it's, it's fun. It's a bang-up job. Really?
2: <laughs>
1: You're, they re- don't end. Really, really, <laughs> we'll be feeling all the shrapnel from all these jokes.
3: on
2: Tuesday, <laughs> Monday. See, see, you're getting creative. I, I like that.
3: The, the, the air raid sirens going off. The nukes about to fall. Um.
1: Shoot.
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh th- th- this is awesome. Um, a shout out to Tricky and Alex for recording this week. Uh, and yeah, that'll do it for me this
0: week. Zach, uh, uh, you're next, buddy. <laughs> you want shout outs?
2: Um, shoot, shout out to anybody uh, who's picked up BombFest. Thank you so much for supporting a, a dream and what I, what I hope and will continue to improve upon is a good time. And uh, shout out to Marissa Hike, Matt White, and uh, Jeff and everybody else at Whitethorn who helps bring this game together. Uh, thank you guys so much for having me here. Like this has been a I almost had a blast. That was close. This has been a really good time. And uh enjoyed uh talking with you guys.
0: And uh just uh I don't want to put this out there unless, you know, obviously you have, but if anybody's going to PAX East, you'll be there to uh talk to people, right? I will be at
2: PAX East. In fact, I'm presenting with the Indie Mega Booth as a it's a huge honor. So find the indie mega booth, come find me, I'm the redhead.
0: I'm definitely gonna come find you. Sick. Alright, and I want to give a shout out to the goddess who is patiently waiting to cook dinner. Uh shout out to Sweet Mama D who uh was nice enough to leave me alone so I can do do this recording because you know me interrupts me doing them. Uh shout out to all the listeners. A special shout out to Zach. Thank you very much for coming on. You you answered a message from somebody you have no idea who they are, and you know, you've taken time out of your day. And you know, work to come talk to us, and you know I can't I can't express in words how much that means to us and our listeners. Hey,
2: time well spent. Thank you again for having me.
0: All right, with that being said, if there's nothing else, happy trophy hunting.
2: Peace out later Save your last
3: breath than
0: told me.